Christmas lights, the idea of family and friends can be wonderful. But if the Christmas lights remind you of things past, you can be crushed by it all. But the beautiful thing is, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The song of the Incarnation, she sings with joy, and she sings about who the Nativity is for. The Christ comes the lowly. Today we continue our study in the Magnificat, this story or the song of Mary, as Kent Hughes explains to us how Mary in her uh, utterance, in her, in her spontaneous song, really speaks for you and for me and all of us, especially during this holiday season. Stay tuned for that message, but first we'll be joined once again by Steph Williams as we talk about the importance of conveying the true meaning of Christmas to those youngest in our households. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. If you've got little children in your house, and you probably have a whole bookshelf dedicated to children's books. Now, they probably aren't even more than a centimeter thick, but yet they take up entire bookshelves in the sense that our kids just collect them and and they love them. And, and whenever I go visit my nieces and nephews, they always want me to read them little books. But the truth is, how many of those books are actually centered around teaching the children, the little children in particular, the meaning of Christmas, to teaching them the real heart of what we're celebrating. Sure, there's a lot of things that are fun and enjoyable for kids that are exciting, even about Christmas itself, but they don't capture the true meaning of the heart of Christmas. Well, our guest this week is Steph Williams, and she's written a children's book designed to help parents and grandparents alike teach their children the importance of knowing the true meaning of what we're celebrating in the incarnation of our Savior, His first coming. Well, we also long for his second coming. This is called The the Christmas Surprise. It's an excellent book, both illustrated and written, designed to capture the hearts and the minds of children. And Steph, this is an issue I'm sure that many of our listeners are concerned about, especially when we think about the next generation, whether they are our kids or those who are having children. It's a reminder that we need to be uh, making sure that we keep the center of Christmas passed down from generation to generation. Because Christmas is much more than uh, treats, presents, family together, and uh, we're really celebrating more than just a birthday of a child. There's there's something far greater when we celebrate Christmas. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, when I was reading through the Christmas passages, thinking about what would be the theme of the book, I was trying to think about what came across as the main um the main emphasis of these passages and there was a few things really but definitely the announcement of this promised king that had that people were expecting and a lot of the things the angels are saying would have resonated with mary as she recognized who they were talking about because this, this was someone who'd been promised for a long time so that was one thing that really came across in in all the christmas passages in the bible how they're announcing this king that was promised um a king that would reign forever and a king that would be a savior. Um, and yeah. Um, and also I think that it's the signs of who this king was, the fact that there were incredible signs to validate and to say, this is really someone special. So it really came across in all the, all the passages. Mm-hmm. 
you know the complexity of the the doctrine and the the distilling of the the depth of what happened in the incarnation is complicated for even adults to understand uh, the the richness of it so even making it true and real and teaching it to children you know that is the starting stage isn't it if we don't start with the children it's going to be a lot harder to explain it to them when they're adults so yeah i think even as young children they're already hearing voices around them saying um you know this is hard to believe it's a you know an angel you know angels kind of seem like mythical creatures and um so yeah that was one of the things i had in mind when writing the book as well just to kind of get across to families who may not even be christians who might be reading it or to children as well um that um yeah these things are miraculous and that's exactly the point kind of you know they had to be for God to reveal who he was to us. That's what the kind of evidence we would demand, you know, would be something like that, that goes against, you know, the natural order of things. Um, and that's why God did these amazing, surprising things to show us who Jesus was. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really important to start talking to children about all those things, even from a young age, and, and preparing them for the kind of challenges to their faith that they will have as they grow up as well. Now, when we think about Christmas, we obviously think that the all of the sort of mythology around Christmas, not even the Christian mythology, but other mythologies around Christmas, that kids are so easily believing in all of these sort of stories until they get to a stage where all of a sudden, you know, they find out that Santa Claus doesn't exist for any kids that are listening and parents, I'm sorry, um, uh, that when they get to that stage where they get to that phase in their life, uh, a lot of things seem to come crush, crashing down on them. But there's an important, even in that stage, to establish the truth and the reality of this story so that uh, you're preparing them for those longer conversations you'll have when they're much older. Yeah, I think so. It's really important to be kind of explaining it, not just telling them the facts of it and the story, but giving them a convincing reason to believe because the Bible does give us convincing reasons to believe and it asks us to put our faith in in the evidence that God has given us, the signs and the history of what we know from who he is. That's, you know, um, what the story of the Bible is telling us, all these things. This is the God we're putting our faith in. So, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, it is really important, especially for children, like you say, with Santa Claus, to to make it clear the difference between the real story and the the fiction and to help them really be ready for all these things. And I think they're probably being challenged on this at a younger age, a younger and younger age. You know, I've had my son who was probably about six at the time or, or maybe seven saying that their teacher was already kind of saying to them, well, you believe this because... Your, well, your parents have told you it's true, but what they really mean is, you know, it's what they believe, mm. it, you know, kind of questioning the truth of it and sort of making them think, well, yeah, um, challenging them on kind of whether this is really true or just one person's viewpoint. Mm. So it's maybe happening from a younger age now, and it's really great to be showing our children in quite a simple way the reasons that we believe and, um, yeah, doing justice to, to what God is 
Taurus in the Bible. We've been talking with Steph Williams today and apparently her, her dog or her puppy, but that's okay because that takes us back into the early days of song time when our founder, Dr. John DeBrine, used to have his dogs in the studio, always German shepherds. Uh, they were often heard barking in the background of, of the, the live broadcast. Uh, a lot of history with dogs, and we're dog lovers here at Song Time, so uh, no problem whatsoever. If you want to find out more information about Steph Williams and her book, The Christmas Surprise, ideal for all of the little children in your life, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and children, and even even those in your church, this makes an excellent resource, and we'd love to make you, uh, you more aware of it by giving us a call, 508 362 7070, or you can head over to our website and contact us there through uh, our website at songtime.com. Remember that this is a ministry that is fully supported by you, our listeners. Your church does not run off of, uh, you know, generating funds from some business venture. Your church runs off off of your support and your tithes and your offerings. Well, the same thing happens with a ministry like ours. We are fully funded and financed by you, our listeners. Listeners. Now, I know that a lot of you don't give, and that's fine. We're not, we're not you know, uh, besmirching anyone. As we want to be a blessing to everyone here in New England and the Northeast and those who listen anywhere. Uh, we want to be a blessing and continue to be a blessing in the days ahead. But for many of you, we've never even heard from you. We don't even know that you're listening. And that can be rather discouraging from, uh, for us from our point of view, because if we don't see the audience, if we don't know that there is an audience out there, uh, we get a little bit um, overwhelmed with the responsibilities of this work and, and wonder, are we really making an impact? So this year for Christmas, I would like to ask each and every one of you, if you have been blessed by our ministry now or throughout the years, would you consider letting us know? Just write to us, send in a note, maybe a donation, but it doesn't have to be. Just let us know that you're listening and you have been encouraged when you write to us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630. Or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. This really helps us out a lot and it encourages us to keep going. And it has been difficult times this past year, but your words of encouragement, your notes that you send in to us, they really do help us as we continue to try to be an encouragement to you as you have an opportunity to be an encouragement to us. So again, give us a call 508-362-7070 or you can write to us at Songtime Radio, PO Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts 02630. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com or look us up on social media. Well, today we are continuing our study here in the Magnificat, the Song of Mary. And Kent Hughes takes us now to the lyrics of this song, these these words, this poem of Mary herself, as she expresses and speaks for all of us in our in our struggling state, how God comes to those who are low in spirit, low, low in humility, and he blesses them. He uses those of us who would never consider ourselves useful in the kingdom of God. Those are the ones he uses to advance his kingdom. Here is Kent Hughes. And so she set the standard. If you want to know what the standard is, is right here. My soul enlarges the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, all of me. 
in Him. Now that is what's happening inside. That is how she feels, so to speak. That's what's taking place. And then she gives very personal reasons for the holy magnifying of the Lord. Her first reason is a direct allusion to the petition of Baron Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, 11. Uh, there, Hannah, as you remember, is in, in the uh, temple. She is pleading for a child. You remember how Eli thinks that perhaps she's drunken. And her line there in verse 11 is the one that Mary alludes to here. Oh, Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery, that is, if you'll only look on your servant's humble state, that's what the, the Greek Old Testament has. And Mary says in verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Same word, she quotes Hannah. Now, Mary's humble state was not for her personal childlessness. She was just a young girl. She wasn't worried about whether she could have children or not, as it had been Hannah's. But rather, the nation's Israel's childlessness is it waited for the birth of a messianic deliverer. And both their humble estates said only God could do it. Divine deliverance would come from God. And here you're brought face to face with the principle when she says, when she mentions her humble estate, that God only comes to those who recognize their need. I mean, she is a parable of need. When she gives birth, it's on cold earth like an alien in Israel. Some years later, when Jesus would get up to preach, he would say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Goes on to say, to release the oppressed. So the eternal truth is, the Old Testament truth is, the New Testament, the Old Testament, New Testament truth is, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I know there are crushed, people that are crushed in spirit here this morning. Uh, the Christmas lights, they can be wonderful. The idea of family and friends can be wonderful. But if the Christmas lights remind you of things past, re recall to mind things that are not reality for you, you can be crushed by it all. And I know there are crushed in spirit here. But the beautiful thing is, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He visits those who are humble in spirit. And I hope that no one misses the whole point of this. The song of the Incarnation, she sings with joy, and she sings about who the Nativity is for. That Christ comes to the lowly. Doesn't come to the windows of Marshall Fields with all their mechanized glory doesn't come to the Christmas specials. He even doesn't come to the sounds, and these are all CDs I have, of uh, Bing Crosby or Nat King Cole or Ella Fitzgerald or Aaron Neville or Placido Domingo and the Vienna Choir Boys. 
or the King's College Choir, or carols from Clare. Because unlike riches and position, the grace and humility, the conscious spiritual need is available to everyone here. So Christmas is available to all. Anyone can have this if he is aware of his humble estate. In this song of Mary, the Magnificat, we have Mary speaking for each and every one of us. It is a beautiful song, but it really depicts our own place and our own position when it comes to our relationship with God. It says here in in verse 48 of of chapter 1 that he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Now, you say that's clearly talking about Mary because Mary was being blessed. Uh, She was being honored with this position to carry the, the Savior of the world inside of her and to bring this good news uh, to all of creation. Well, the same can be said of all of us in this context, that God has blessed us by choosing to use us in our humble state to be a blessing to the nations. This is the beautiful picture of the gospel, that when we trust in Christ, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And his spirit carries us on to share this good news with all of us. But here is the key. We're talking about the humble estate, this humble position that we all find ourselves in. And the truth is, no one can come before God without being humbled. No one can come before him without bowing the knee surrendering to him. In fact, Jesus' message throughout the, throughout the Gospels is to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. The only way we, that we can do that is through humility. We need to be reminded that where we fall short of the glory of God, it is Christ's righteousness on us that opens up this, this new possibility to be lifted up, not by our own works, not by our own righteousness, but to be clothed in Christ's righteousness. We had also uh, always to remain humble, especially when it comes to bearing the gospel. But this should not hold us back. This should not make make us quiet. Sometimes we think of humility as being quiet. This should fill our hearts in the same way that it fills Mary's heart to sing a new song, to declare that we have been redeemed, to broadcast to everyone around us, that we are not righteous on our own, but Christ dwells in us, and we are righteous in his work and his holiness. I hope that this encourages you and reminds you, especially during this holiday season, that we have been called to be witnesses. There are opportunities all around you for you to declare that you are a sinner that is saved by grace. As you're thinking about how to share your faith with loved ones and friends and family, consider this humble estate. Remind people that anything that you have to brag in is not about yourself. It is about what Christ has done for you. When we make mistakes, let's be quick to admit it. It's acknowledge that we fall short of the glory of God. And when we convey the truth to others, let us show them that we are simply beggars who have found bread. Be humble in your gospel presentation and be humble in your understanding of your relationship with God. If we have been able to encourage you, I hope that you will be an encouragement to us, not just to others in your life, but also to us here at Songtime. If we've been able to help you and to challenge you and to bless you, consider giving us an end-of-the-year donation. That helps keep this broadcast on the air, and it also helps us to continue to bless more people just like yourself. 
Consider writing to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow as we continue to unpack the story of the Magnificent, and Mary describes how she ultimately would be the one who is called blessed by all generations. It says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. But listen to what Jesus says. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 2:14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.